0: Thank you for listening to the CrossFidge Podcast. For more information about Ridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. This morning, uh, I'm excited to be here, uh, as always, uh, nervous uh, when the pastor's gone and, and uh, he calls the bullpen in. And uh, you know, you're like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs, you're just a little bit nervous. And uh, but that's all right. Uh, I'm glad that you're here. I know many, many of our family uh, church family are on vacation and traveling, and so uh, I am thankful that you are here. And so I hope that you are as well. Uh, this morning, um, I want to help you. I want to help you find uh, the book of Habakkuk. So if you will, take your bulletin first. Look on the very back page of your bulletin. What do you see? There's a word search in there. What's the very first word there? Habakkuk. I told you I was going to help you find Habakkuk. Look to the very bottom of that list on word search. The very bottom, look at the last line. Go from left to right. What do you see? Habakkuk, right? All right, you can circle that and put it away for the rest of the service. You don't need to check that anymore. Now we can find Habakkuk in your scriptures or on your phone or wherever you'd like to find it, all right? Uh, man, I still like to see people carry their Bibles these days, uh, but they always say, oh, I got my Bibles just on my phone. Okay, uh, well, find Habakkuk then uh, you can go to the book of Matthew, you can go to the left about four books, and uh, maybe you'll find Habakkuk there. Um, probably not a book maybe that you have been in in the last uh, month or so, or a year, or two years, I'm not sure. You might have read through it, looked at it, but we're going to be looking at it this morning. Uh, we've just sung about how faithful God is, how good God is. God is good. All the time? What about those times when you're having trouble? (laughs) Why, God is good, huh? What about those times when it feels like life is just beating you down? God is good, right? We remember that here on Sunday morning, but it's hard to remember, isn't it? When it's on Thursday night, or when it's on Friday night, or or when the finances don't meet, we got more months and we got money, right? Man, it gets hard, right? But we got to remember that God is good, right? And 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 what we're talking about today, we're talking about a life of faith, living faith is what we're going to talk about this morning here. And and you know, I, I hear a lot of people. I've been guilty myself. Of of just saying you know what Uh, man I'm having these hard times or I can look ahead and I can see there's trouble coming ahead but I don't worry about the trouble I don't even uh, acknowledge the trouble in one way or another I see it but I just say you know what God will save me God's good God will save me God will take care of me God will get me out of this. And, and, and for many people, myself included, I think we have come to times in our life to where we use that as just a cliché. It's, it's just a Christian cliché that we can, we can say and we just go on about our life. All right? Not to say that we don't believe that God won't take care of us, all right, but, but we can just, we, we say that a lot of times. And I'm not sure that we are living a life of faith. We just assume that God's going to take care of us. And many times we think that we, just cause we're people of faith, we can, we can, we, we, we got favorable circumstances with God, is what I'm trying to say. And life sometimes does not show that. Just the faith in God May not give us that guarantee Of favorable circumstances In this life You see we're living in a very hard And uncertain times In this life And every day that we see images uh, Where our world is, is hurting one another Destroying one another And then those images are replaced By, by bad images That come along And even worse images More disturbing images And, and it seems like The ground beneath our feet may be just uh, always shifting these days. I think it's fair to say that we may be living in a world that seems to be unraveling. And if not careful, we as Christ followers, we will give in to the increased pressures to conform to the ways of this world, to the tolerances of this world All while just trying to make ends meet. All while just trying to battle through life. You know, all of us have questions. All of us have doubts at some time or another. All of us have maybe unresolved issues in our lives. But we're people of faith. And when we say... God will take care of it. Oh, God will save me. Sometimes that we just say those things, and and I think sometimes it can become that we use that. that I don't know whether it's an idol or whether we get answers. You know, will God save us? Yeah, God will save me. Is God love you? God loves me. Sometimes in these answers, we depend upon these answers more than we do in living and loving and, 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 and living for the Lord, living our faith out. And, and what are we supposed to do? It seems that life sometimes is getting harder and harder. I don't know about you, but it seems that way to me. And I'm not sure for our, our young'uns and our children, we need to set the example of what it means to be faithful in living for the Lord. What are we supposed to do? You know, no matter what happens in this world... We're called to live our faith out. And that doesn't mean that we have all the answers. That doesn't mean that we agree with what we see happening within front of us. That doesn't mean that, 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 that we, we don't have questions. You see, we can take our questions to God. We serve a, a big God, and our God can handle our questions. And He will handle our questions. And He will help us through in these times of need. You see, God wants us to trust Him. God wants us to worship Him. God wants us to obey Him. And many times we go to God and we may not get the answers that we want. Just because we have faith. It doesn't mean that God will answer things the way that we want. He may necessarily not answer them at that moment in that time, but He wants us to depend upon Him because it draws us closer to Him. You see, that's what the prophet Habakkuk knew, that's what he experienced, you see. Have you found the book of Habakkuk yet? All right, good deal. We're going to be looking at that book right there The prophecy of Habakkuk is, is very unique here Most of the prophets that we see and hear about a lot of times Are speaking to God uh, 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 the People on behalf of God But Habakkuk as you see here Is standing before God And he's speaking to God on behalf of the people And Habakkuk is standing there In, in a way that he is angry In a way that he's angry with God And he's angry with the people Have you ever been there? And it's okay, isn't it? It's okay at times because we do not understand all that is happening. And so Habakkuk is is kind of the doubting Thomas at this point that we can see in the Old Testament here. And and like Job, uh, Habakkuk is questioning uh, the moral government of God. Uh, and, And Job is questioning it on a personal level of evil, I guess you could say, where Habakkuk is questioning God uh, on a national level of evil. And he had witnessed firsthand all of this wickedness that's going on there in that southern kingdom of Judah. You can see there in Habakkuk 1, verses 1 through 4, uh, it says there, the oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet received, it says, "How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you uh, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me? There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteousness. So the justice is perverted. You see, he's questioning God's timing of judgment. And Habakkuk wants to know, God, how long are you just going to sit on your hands while I see violence and sin and this perverse judgment that's going on all around me? Can you say you've been there? Today in our world, in today's times, it is just that way all over. And I just said, oh my goodness, there's not much difference between our world today and the world back then. And I realized, I said something to Pastor Mark about that. And he said, well, John, just go all the way back to Genesis. (laughs) Start from Genesis and go. It's where you have people, you have problems. And, And that's what it is. And Habakkuk is crying out to God. And he's crying out in, 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 in desperation and in anger both. And I can kind of feel it. Verses 5 through 11. This is God's response. I love that we see this. That God responds. God answers. God answers. I don't know exactly how long it took God to respond to Habakkuk here. But God responded. Verse 5-11 through he says Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed For I am going to do something in your days That you would not even believe if you were told Oh my goodness Listen at that God says even if I told you you wouldn't believe it And that's the way it is with us many times God has told us God has told us He has the last word God has told us That he will punish sin He will punish wickedness God's told us those things. And he said, you wouldn't even believe it if I told you Habakkuk. But he said, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places, not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. And they are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like vultures swooping to devour. They, they all come bent on violence. Oh my goodness. And it just goes on and on and on and on. Talking about these Babylonians. Talking about what's going to take place. And it records God's response there. But if we were to look there at Verse 6 again. He said, I'm raising up the Babylonians. I'm raising them up. And they're going to capture Jerusalem. They're going to overthrow Jerusalem. They're going to overthrow Judah. And and they're going to carry its people into captivity. (laughs) Back at probably, he says, "Uh, say what? Say, you're going to do what? (laughs) He says, I'm raising up the Chaldeans. I'm raising up these Babylonians. You see, while Habakkuk was complaining, God was already raising up the Babylonian empire. While he was complaining, God was going to use the Babylonians against Judah as his instrument of judgment. God was at work. God had a plan. You know, to us, that ought to be encouraging this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what questions you have. I don't know if you have any unresolved issues in your life. I don't know the struggles you're facing. But God's at work. I can tell you God's got a plan. And we need to know that this morning. God has a plan. That answered Habakkuk's question there about God's timing. But now Habakkuk had another question. And it was about this method. It was about God's judgment and how God was going to do that? That's one through twelve, and, and, and all the way through two through one. Habakkuk just just continues to say, "God, I, man, I, I don't get this, God. I don't I don't understand this. How can a holy God use these Chaldeans, these this Babylonian empire here as as a as a holy instrument of God, as as a as and bring judgment against us?" Well, God listens and God answers him again. Look there in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 2 through 20. Habakkuk says, Well, I'm he says there in verse 1, I'm just going to stand here and I'm going to watch God. I'm going to see how you're going to answer me. I'm going to see how you're going to make this work. God comes back in verse 2 and he said, The Lord replied, Write down the revelation. Make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Write it down, as Adrian Rogers used to say, write it down plain and clear. Listen to what I'm telling you. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end. And it will not prove false. This is God's promise to Habakkuk. God is guaranteeing it's going to take place, Habakkuk. I'm going to use these Chaldeans as judgments against you. And then I'm going to take care of them. He said, though it may linger, wait for it. I love that verse. Mark it down. Highlight it. Write it on your notes there. I told you God's got a plan. I told you, God's going to rescue us. God's going to take care of us. God's got a plan and He's working on it. Though it may linger, wait for it. Be patient. Wait for it. Continue to be faithful in living for God. Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Verse 4, see, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by faith. Look at that. God said, I've got a plan. You can trust me, Habakkuk. I'm way ahead of you. Wait for it. And he said, even though the Chaldeans will come in here and they'll puff themselves up and they will overthrow you and they will plunder your city and they'll take everything you have, wait for it. Wait for it. When you lose your overtime, when your job's not paying and all that you need, when sickness is on you, when it just doesn't seem like things are working out, wait for it. Stay faithful to God and wait for it. God's got a plan. You see, the third and final chapter, it closes with a prayer. You may have never read it. You may have. But I'll encourage you to read this whole book when you sit down. And I think for us, the question with Habakkuk is how does Habakkuk, how do we go through life and, and, and go through starting out arguing and complaining and end up singing a song with unanswered questions, with unresolved issues? You see, I think the answer comes to Habakkuk right there in chapter 2. I think it is that, cha- that verse, that verse 4 in chapter 2 there. You know, God didn't allow Habakkuk to have all of the pieces to the puzzle, but He gave him enough. And He said, "Habakkuk, the righteous will live by his faith." Listen at that. The righteous will live by his faith. You see, that is the that's the promise of the point to the prophecy here in Habakkuk. Matter of fact, it's the it's the point of the Bible. It's the promises of the Bible. It's quoted in Romans 1.16. It's quoted in, in Galatians 3.11. That the righteous will live by faith. It's quoted in Hebrews 10.38. All the way back in the Old Testament. It's the, it's, it's, it's the doctrine there of the justification by faith. We know it from seeing Abraham... It's by faith alone. Guys, we're saved by God's grace alone, by faith alone. You see justification, central teaching of that New Testament there, which asserts that the righteous merit needed for us, the sinful people, is of those who put their faith in a holy God against God's wrath. And it's accredited to us by our faith in Jesus Christ and His work on the cross. And even there, he believed God. This was his way of putting his faith and trust in a God that told him that you live by faith. What a promise. What a promise to Habakkuk. What a promise to you and I that the righteous will live by faith. You see, Habakkuk, he was, he was content with going on and living with all of these unanswered questions and these unresolved issues here. Why? Because he had this assurance. Just like we have this assurance I don't know where you're at this morning. don't know what you're struggling. But I can assure you, based on the promises of God and God's word, that God's got a plan for you. You see, faith honors God. And so God honors faith. And because because of that assurance, Habakkuk can open up his book with a question mark and he can close it. With an exclamation point. He opens up with doubt, but he closes it with confidence, just like pastors been teaching on Moses. He had confidence. He opens it and it begins with complaints, but ends with celebration. Habakkuk ends, he begins singing the blues like most of us do. But he closes it singing a song of faith. All scholars. All theologians that I have seen, found, and heard say that this, 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 this uh, 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 one of the strongest affirmations of faith in Scripture is where, Habakk- where Habakkuk goes to. And I think within that affirmation he outlines for us some dynamics of this life of faith, of, of this living faith. And I think the first thing that we need to see is is the reality that confronts this life of faith. If you're living a life of faith right now, the reality is that you're being confronted with with hurdles and walls, and our world does not like uh, to see someone living uh, that life of faith. You will be mocked a lot of times, uh, but... We have to move forward in living our faith out just because we're people of faith does not guarantee us favorable circumstances in this life here. And I think to claim that is wrong. I think there are those uh, people of faith that, that, that teach uh, some heresy in uh, some churches that, 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 that I think is foolish and dangerous that, that, that take the notion that faith is just like a force. Something like maybe a lightsaber that, that we could just bring out and use it when we need it. And then just whoop, put it up. Draw it out when we need it and put it up when we don't. And they use it as a force uh, uh, for those that, that, that maybe can think that they can take their faith and just write their own ticket in this life. I think many people has been deceived to think that guarantees us favorable circumstances. And Habakkuk, he busts that myth, myth for us. And I think he gives us some realistic understanding of authentic faith. If we were to skip over to verse 17 in chapter 3, verse 17 in chapter 3, it says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, stop right there. It's a pretty hard place to be, isn't it, if you're a farmer? Pretty hard place to be if you're a sharecropper. Pretty hard place to be if you you make your living on your cattle, or if you make your living on the sheep, or if you're growing grapes uh, in the vineyard. This is a hard place to be. And don't forget, Jesus gave him a vision. And he showed them. What the Chaldeans were going to do. He showed them. They would burn the vineyards. They would trample his fields. They would would, uh, kill his livestock or steal them. It was not going to be good. And for Habakkuk to, to, to talk this way. That's not very positive talking, is it? It's certainly not a name it and claim it type faith. It's definitely not positive confession on Habakkuk's side. And if words are really created reality in our life, and I'm not saying it's not good to think positive and talk positive, and, and, and because we've got a holy God that we can depend on. But Habakkuk here, he's in big trouble. He doesn't even seem some. He doesn't see a, 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 a supernatural debt cancellation of some type in his life. He doesn't see some government program, economic bailout, bailout coming in. All that Habakkuk is seeing at his point in time is these awful results of what the Chaldeans are going to do when they invade them. And yet he sings these words of a declaration of faith. That ought to encourage us. He doesn't sing them as an expression of doubt. You see, Scripture is filled with with those that affirm uh, that faith doesn't guarantee us these favorable circumstances. You look at Abraham when he was climbing the mountain to sacrifice his son. Look at Moses. We've been hearing Moses and looking at Moses' life. Moses might as well just been pleading with God to die or get him a new job, <laughs> right? That Job scratching his painful balls while he was under the sun. David hiding in a cave from Saul. Elijah just moping around the desert with Jezebel on his trail. And yet, these folks, we don't, we don't view them as. As, as folks that don't have enough faith to change their circumstances. We don't view them as people who are just, just content to live below their spiritual potential. No. We view them as giants of the faith. Their personal examples reminds us that we will have hard times. Does't mean that physical health, financial prosperity prove that a person has faith when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God's Holy Spirit came in us, dwells within us. It doesn't shield us from pain and poverty. All it might say about those folks is they eat right and work hard. <laughs> You see, God has not guaranteed you and I that all things will work out how we think they ought to. And to claim that assurance, I think, is, is, is ignorance on our part. And I think it's a very arrogant presumption. And it's not faith. You see, I like what uh, one pastor, H.B. Charles, had to say about faith. He says, faith walks the fine line between the unfairness of life and the goodness of God With the patient hope That God will have the last word And that would make a whole lot of sense For the child of God Christians live in poverty Christians get sick Christians lose their hair Christians lose their teeth Christians need eyeglasses About the same rate as everybody else Christians die at the same rate as everybody else. So 100% of us. You see, we live in a fallen world that's full of sin, that's full of sickness, that's full of suffering. We can't forget that the Son of God wasn't even exempt from suffering. You see, He lived in obedience to the Father. He suffered. You see, living in faith involves me pleasing God more than it God does pleasing me. You get that? Elton Trueblood, he was a chaplain for Harvard, Stanford, in the early 1900s. He said this about faith He said, It's not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. I like that word trust. Job said it in 13 verse 15. Though he slay me, I will what? Trust in him. Though he slay me, I will trust in him. See, faith's not a guarantee. It's trust. I've heard it said many times. Don't know who said it. Don't know where it come from. But we're to trust in the dark what God taught us in the light see, it's to live daily hanging on every, every promise. Hanging on the character of God. Hanging on the faithfulness of God each and every day. And it's to say every day in the words of one Holocaust anonymous victim here. It says, I believe in the sun even when it don't shine. I believe in love even when it's not shown. And I believe in God even when he does not speak. It's living a life of faith. Second thing we see is that rejoicing characterizes this life of faith. Even when things are not good, right? Talking about trust, this person's quote says, I believe, I believe, and I believe. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you believe in God? I didn't ask you if you believe in God. I asked you, do you believe God? What are you depending on for strength? Who are you depending on for guidance? Where is it that you find peace? As one older, older pastor put it this way, who's pushing your swing? I like that. Who's pushing your swing? The majority of us would answer this morning, Of course I believe God. You know what? This morning sitting right in here, I wouldn't expect any other answer. But in the words of one of my dear friends, he said, John, the profession of faith does not always assume the possession of faith. You hear that? The profession of faith does not always assume the possession of faith. There again, Adrian Rogers would say, it's time for us to possess our possessions. You see, there's a lot of people who talk to talk and don't walk to walk. See, the difference between the two, I think, can be summarized up in one word. Many times it's attitude. It's attitude. What attitude do you get up with in the morning? What attitude do you go to bed with at night? What attitude do you have in the middle of the day when things just aren't going your way? I remember somebody saying one time, or I was reading a book or studying or something, it was talking about raising your children with the right morals. A lot of emphasis on them right morals and on them right morals. And I heard one guy say one time, he said, I think I'm going to raise my kids with the right attitude. And i would never forgotten that. It kind of makes sense. It don't matter what life throws at you, if you've got the right attitude, you're going to get through it. I'm not speaking outside of the way from, of God's presence, all right? I'm still talking to the child of God here as well. You see, people who don't really believe God, they allow circumstances of this life to dictate their attitude. But people who believe God. I think we, we can sing that song of faith just like Habakkuk did. Look there again verse 17 and 18 of chapter 3. Though the fig tree does not bud. And there are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen. And there are no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God my Savior. You see that? Literally that verse 18 says that I will jump for joy in the Lord. I'll delight myself in the Lord. And he's doing it right in the face of defeat. Right in the middle of discouragement and despair. He says, I will praise God. He's standing up for God right in the face of his problems, right? Though everything around me fails, the fields, the vineyards, the flocks, the herds, I've still got something to rejoice about. I still have reason to jump for joy. I know this goes all the way back, back, back to Habakkuk. Even all the way back, sometimes we don't know what took place in the 1600s. There was a a theologian there in the 1600s, one of the the Puritans there, Richard Baxter, uh, he says about this faith, he says, Here is the hilarity of faith. Joy at its best, circumstances at its worst. (laughs) He goes on to say, Living faith naturally results in stubborn joy. Faith is the womb that gives birth to joy. Joy will always blossom where faith is cultivated. Faith and joy are inseparable lovers. Where uh, one is present, the other is never far away. You show me a person who has true faith, and I'll show you a person who has real joy. Amen. Let me tell you, when I speak of joy, I'm just not talking about volume. Even though I can get pretty loud when I'm rejoicing. Maybe you can too, but I can get just as quiet on the inside. I'm telling you, last week was a week full of circumstances. Uh, and it wasn't good to start with, but by the end of the week, we were rejoicing in the, in the Lord. We were praising God in the Lord. I mean, that's just how it goes with God. Never count God out, guys <laughs> Never count Him out I'm talking about enthusiasm In its truest form here This word enthusiasm comes from two Greek words there uh, In the Greek there the, the, the preposition in means in All right, en means in there and, and the noun theos means God And it means to have God on the inside We're we're to be God-possessed, right? Isn't that what we are as children of God? The Holy Spirit resides in us. That's joy. That's where joy comes from. That's what Habakkuk knew. He knew that joy comes from God. And he could rejoice no matter what happened. It didn't matter what happened to his crops. It didn't matter what happened to his cattle. Because his joy was not in his cattle. Or his crops. Habakkuk's joy was in the Lord. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I love how he thinks you might not have caught it. And he gives it to us one more time. I will be joyful in the God, my Savior. Habakkuk couldn't rejoice in his circumstances. And neither can you and I at some times we can always rejoice in our god the god of our salvation you see there's two ways to live one's if and the other one is though two ways if everything goes well if my life prospers no one i love dies if i'm successful then i will believe then i will trust When we use this if mentality here, it uses our circumstances to interpret God. But Habakkuk uses the though. This though mentality uses God to interpret his circumstances. Then he says, I believe God, though evil prospers, though loved ones die, though crops may fail, though my dreams are not fulfilled. Nevertheless, he says, yet I, I will rejoice in the Lord. Guys, you don't have to buy joy. True happiness is found not in prosperity. You don't need to find self-worth in others that need joy just as bad as you do. You see, true joy is available to everyone. It's even those who may be stripped of their material possessions true joy is found in God and it comes through a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that enables us to rejoice even in the worst of circumstances amen psalmist says in verse 34 1 says I will extol the Lord at all times his praises will always be on my lips Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say, Rejoice. James 1, 2, our brother says, Count it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says in 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. Hallelujah. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can rejoice and no matter what we're going through, no matter what trials we are facing, even if we're going through hell on earth. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can trust me. I've got a plan. Third thing we see is the resources that comforts us in this life of faith. See, Hebrews 1.1 Hebrews 11.1, 1. I'm sorry. it's just a whole lot of ones when I looked at that. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. You see, that's trust. That's trust. You see, faith doesn't need assurance. It is assurance. It's the assurance of unseen Things it says and that's the kind of faith that we see that Habakkuk had Habakkuk had this kind of faith verses 18 and 19 you see those in verse 18 and 19 they make two statements here and these statements are about Habakkuk's relationship to God I just wonder sometime how, how, what is our statements how do they Affirm or not our relationship with God. Henry Blackaby, he says, you know, a group of people in the hands of God can do whatever God can do. Mm, that's pretty stout. It's a lot of faith. That's not in the people, but it's in God. Verse 18, Habakkuk says that God is my salvation. Verse 19, he says, God is my strength but yet verse 17 gives us six reasons there to argue that Habakkuk didn't have the favor of God doesn't it look at all the terrible things that happened to Habakkuk but he was comforted by God's salvation he was comforted by God's strength let me tell, tell you this morning that's where we find our comfort guys It's in God's salvation and it's in God's strength where we find our comfort, no matter what we're going through. You see, Habakkuk had a proper understanding. He had a a, a proper uh, personal relationship with God, he had intimate fellowship with God. So he trusted God. Whatever happened, God would take care of him. That's faith. Living faith factors God into the outcome of every single circumstance that comes into our situation. You see, two specific ways here, I think, that influences the outcome of our circumstances. And that's that God saves. You see, in the New Testament, the word salvation is always connected to the forgiveness of sin, right? But in the Old Testament, where Habakkuk is... Salvation was defined more so into, into uh, deliverance or rescuing, uh, safety. And I think that's exactly what Habakkuk had in mind at that point in time. In verse 17, Habakkuk envisions losing everything. Guys, And when I say losing everything, I'm talking about everything that was es- essential for survival. But in verse 18... He stands up and he determines to rejoice. And he said, God may not save my crops. He may not save my cattle, but he'll save me. And you and I, like Habakkuk, we may be wrestling with God's timing. We may be wrestling with God's methods. But I tell you what, you may have unanswered questions. You may have unresolved issues Uh, right now here this morning. You may have brought them in here. You know, where was God when I lost my job? Where was God when sickness began to attack my body? Where was God when my loved one died? Where was God when my family fell apart? God was there every moment. And God was with you every step of the way. Rather than complaining, rather than arguing like Habakkuk did or questioning the ways of God, why don't we this morning, why don't we just thank God this morning for all the ways that He has saved us, all the ways He has delivered us, all the ways He has rescued us, And give Him thanks this morning. That's what we do here on a Sunday morning. Is to come back and give our praise to a holy God who is worthy. Amen. Amen. Psalmist says in 18 verse 46... He says that the Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation. Psalm 27 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 68 verse 19 says, blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up daily. God is our salvation. Second thing is that God strengthens us. Verse 19 says that the Lord is my strength. Next two lines, I love these next two, two lines of that verse. It says the next two lines go on to tell us what, what it means. The Lord is our strength, the Lord is our salvation. It says, The Lord God is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. I love this. I love this. It's a reference to the deer's feet. It's a Hebrew idiom is what they call that. And, 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 and it's for agility. And it's for speed. And it's for sure-footedness. Habakkuk uses it to say because, because the Lord is his strength. He says I can make it through difficult times. I can make it through any difficult circumstances put before me. I'm like a deer moving through the dark forest. You ever just wondered how they do that? How do they run flat out in the dead of night through the forest? Habakkuk goes on to say that he enables me to go on to the heights. Another Hebrew idiom there that speaks of challenge, responsibility, hardship. And Habakkuk knows that God would get him through whatever troubles or trials he had to face. You see, these two pictures are very comforting to us. We need to mark them down. We need to highlight it. We need to live right there in our faith this week, maybe through the rest of this day. You see, I've learned a couple of things in life. Just like Habakkuk has And one of these things says that God will get us out of things. I know that God has gotten me out of things. Oh, if you knew my life. God has gotten me out of things. Many things I don't even know about. Many things that I do. God, I thank you for that. but also know in this life that there are things that we can't get out of that we don't get out of, but I can tell you that God will get us through them. We may not ever get over it, but we'll get through it because of God. He will provide the strength that we need to deal with your situation. I promise you that. I can guarantee it based upon God's Word. Psalmist, he says, 46.1, God's our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Philippians 4, 4 says, 4, 13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see the blood that jesus shed for me way back on calvary it soothes my doubts and it calms my fears and it dries up all my tears the blood that gives me strength from day to day it shall never lose its power it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it shall never lose its power. As children of God, there are times we just need to get back before God and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry for how I've lived, I've been living. I'm sorry that I've doubted you. Maybe this morning you just need to recommit. You just need to come back to God and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, for having my doubts. God, I want to be right by you. Draw yourself, these these questions, these unresolved issues, these doubts, these trials that we face, all it does is grow our faith. And it keeps us close to a loving God. Maybe you don't know Christ this morning as your Lord and Savior. Let me just tell you, I'd love to show you through God's Word that you can know that God has paid the price so that you can be forgiven. You see, Christ did something for you that you can never do for yourself. You know. If that's you this morning and you want to be introduced to Jesus, don't hesitate. Come forward. Let me share. Let one of our other ministers that will be here on each side, let them share with you God's love. Place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, His finished work on the cross. Say yes to Jesus. God's word has been spoken this morning. It demands a response each and every time. However God's dealing with you this morning, you come forward.